Engaging Leader, Episode 207, Helping Your Team Contribute More to the World, featuring Tom Rath. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at workforcecommunication.com. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. You know, at most organizations today, the work people do tends to hurt their well-being when it really should be making them happier and healthier. There's no reason why work shouldn't add to your life, add greater value, meaning, and well-being to your life. But that's so often not the case. And a major key to turning this around is helping employees make their work more meaningful, which is all about discovering how they can best contribute. And of course, as leaders, business owners, this is all simply smart business. Helping your team identify how they can best contribute will maximize how your organization influences the world and achieves long-term financial success. So as a leader, how can you help employees connect their daily work to the way it contributes to specific people's lives or making the world a better place? Well, I'm excited that Tom Rath is going to be returning to our show today to talk about his new book, Life's Greatest Question, and how leaders can help their teams contribute more to the world. Tom has been on our show several times over the years, and he was most recently with us on episode 200 on the very day that his book was published and released to the world. Life's Great Question, Discover How You Best Contribute to the World. Tom's had several bestsellers. I think I've read all of them. Most of his career has focused on the StrengthsFinder assessment and how to help organizations and individuals identify what their strengths are and increase employee engagement as well as well-being. And this topic about moving beyond strengths and well-being to how do you make a difference in the world? What's your contribution to the world and to your customers and to the people you work with? It's a, it's a natural next step. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. Tom Rath, welcome back to Engaging Leader. Thanks so much. It's good to be with you, Jazzy. Tom, there's currently an unhealthy social contract between people and work. Will you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, I've spent a lot of time studying this over the last 10 years in particular, because one of the things I was originally optimistic about in some of the early work that I did when I was at Gallup on the topic of well-being, I was hoping that, you know, much as organizations learn to care a lot about and measure and work on increasing employee engagement, they would do the same thing about with employee well-being and understand that organizations need to make people better in the process. But I've spent, now that after spending about a decade now working on that, I now am increasingly convinced that each of us as individuals need to take some more ownership and ensure that we have better well-being because of the organizations that we're a part of. And I think that starts with leaders asking those questions. And if each of us can begin to ensure that we're looking out for our own energy and well-being so we can be our best at work each day. I think when leaders start to do that, it gives everyone else permission and encouragement to do the same in the process. So, I mean, to really oversimplify this, I don't think corporate wellness initiatives are going to be the catalyst that creates a much better relationship between people and organizations in the future. I think it's going to be 
organizational leaders taking ownership and being really good role models for how they care about these concepts that gives everyone else permission to do that over the next decade. Yeah, there was this part in the book, uh, I remember when you talked about the value of working for a company with leaders who value their own well-being and yours. Like if you're just the difference it can make in your own happiness and engagement at work when you see leaders that, for one thing, really are taking care of their well-being, and, and then they're, they're more obviously concerned about other people's as well. Yeah. You know, I'd like to challenge leaders who are listening and with some of the work I've been doing. It, you know, it's in the past, I've seen this. It's understandable and it's admirable where some of the leaders I admire most, well, they do so much good focus on others that they say, well, you know, I want everyone else to be happy and to be healthy, but, you know, I'm going to be the one who's showing up at work at five in the morning, leaving 10 o'clock at night and working through the weekends and not valuing my own sleep and all that kind of stuff as well. And as much as I'd admired that in the past, the problem is if someone who is admired and in a leadership role in his organization, if they're doing that, it doesn't matter how good of a game they talk about how they want other people to have health and well-being and how much they're spending on their corporate benefits and wellness programs. If that's the model an example they're setting, no one else really feels the permission to take the time they need to be their best as well. And so I think we've got to kind of rethink the way leaders cast their model as examples in organizations in the future. Yeah, I I can remember I mean, one of the things I would do differently, my first leadership role, I'd basically practice what I'd learned. And so, yeah, I was the first one in in my area of the building and the last one to leave, and it just sends an odd message to the to the group that you care more about hours and maybe effort and appearance. I don't know what you care about, but you, you certainly don't care about people as whole human beings, and uh, people are more likely to really give their all and want to make a difference in the world when everyone is treating each other as whole human beings that actually have a life outside of work. Yeah, and I think a part of that, that's a great point, Jesse, because I think leaders need to be a little bit more open and candid and vulnerable about their own personal routine and their situation and their circumstances. Because when leaders begin to talk about things they're struggling with, let's say they're not getting enough sleep, they talk about that openly, and they talk about how people need to be sharp in meetings in the afternoon instead of everyone kind of being burned out. I think the more open to those conversations a leader can be, the more transparency and candor it creates at different levels throughout the organization. And I mean, essentially, if a leader is introducing a conversation about how can we all get more done in less time and create more collective well-being, it can be pretty liberating for a lot of people throughout an organization. And one one leader can have a pretty profound influence, even if like I, I'm, I, for example, have never been comfortable preaching about health and well-being, even within my own family, let alone in a corporate setting. But if you just set a good example, what I've learned is eventually people do pick up on that. It might take a month or three months or a year in some cases, but almost anyone can do that and it shouldn't be too far out of your comfort level. But some of those conversations can feel pretty vulnerable to, to share about. when If you're str- have, struggling in an area, it can feel scary to reveal that. You, like you may, um, you may not come across as a leader. I guess maybe is a is a concern. I you know it, it that's how I grew up in a kind of hardworking Midwestern culture. I grew up in Nebraska, and the last thing leaders would do is talk about their vulnerabilities, let alone that they needed five hours of sleep or whatever. But 
the, the more I've seen recently, it's, it's been kind of encouraging where even in very traditionally what I would consider more stuffy government contractor groups in the D.C. area around here that I've spent time with, you have leaders talking very openly about not only their personal struggles, but I hear people talking about family challenges with mental illnesses and the like really openly. And it, as soon as you create a culture where people can have those conversations in a public setting, boy, is that uh, liberating and meaningful for a lot of employees. So I, I'm kind of excited by the fact that I think uh, candor and vulnerability and transparency about how we can all do things more effectively, I think that'll be a big theme of the next 25 years in the modern workplace. And in turn, organizations where leaders are not willing or able to get to that place will continue to get increasingly left behind. Yeah, the, uh, one, the some of the research that you shared in the book I found shocking where you said, on average, a typical company's work is killing people, even though it has such potential to actually make them healthier. So uh, if, if you can be the kind of team or company that is contributing to people's health, you're, you're going to be ahead of the game and everybody else is going to be falling behind. Yeah, and I think a good, a simple litmus test is for people to ask, you know, is your life better off or worse off because of the company that you're working for today? And um, if, if you're kind of on the fence about that, to ask questions about, well, is your physical health better or worse off? Are your is your financial security, boy, money does matter. Is your financial security better or worse off from a kind of stress standpoint? And are you more involved in your community or less involved because of the job that you have today? And are your relationships, most importantly, I would say, are your relationships better off or worse off because of the organization that you're a part of today? And is your career on a better long-term trajectory to the things that we've been talking about because of the company you're work, working for today? Because I think we need to be able to see that forward progress as well which is pretty important. I do think those are important questions for each of us to take responsibility for asking because, as you mentioned, uh, J Jeff Pfeffer, a friend of mine, a professor at Stanford, he wrote a book titled Dying for a Paycheck. <laughs> and as, as morbid as the title may be, I think it's probably an appropriate summary of the relationship that people have had with work over the last century. Mm. How does the concept of contribution, just helping people understand what their greatest contributions are, how can that contribute to their well-being and really their engagement at, at work? Yeah, I think it's probably a good place to start with any work project or team that you're embarking on to ask yourself how you can make the greatest contribution to that effort. And if you go through that exercise for yourself is a good starting point, but my hunch is the most potential for growth lies in having a conversation with at least one other person, ideally the team that you're going to be working with, to sit down and say, we're about to embark on this project. How does each one of us want to contribute to making this as effective and efficient and successful as possible? And, you know, I'm amazed by right now, anytime we get teams together, we kind of bring people together because they're like-minded or have similar interests and passions which is a challenge in itself. And then we all say, okay, let's hit the ground running. Here's what we want to do. And we start charging ahead. And then it's three, six, 12 months down the road, we all realize that we were charging ahead in the same directions and doing the same things instead of starting with a conversation about how we can best complement one another and be most effective in contributing in unique ways so that we have the influence we want to for the people we're planning to serve. Yeah, that topic of cognitive diversity 
is um, not many, not a whole lot of leaders. I mean, people know that they need to have different skill sets, but in terms of people, the way people contribute, it's uh, it's. I guess t- tell us a little bit about some of the types of contributions and how it's helpful to have that diversity. Yeah, and that's why I designed this Contribify profile that comes with the book to be something that you reevaluate as you do as you join each new work setting or join each new team because uh, there. When I looked at it and all these different jobs people do in our economy today, really, anytime you join a team, there are three common elements that it seems that we need to do. You got you have to create a product or service. You have to have something to bring to the world, obviously. You need to relate to one another and figure out who's going to continue to help us build good relationships and energize the team and so on. Uh, and then you need to operate and continue to execute, get things done at a high level of quality and scale things up so that you're reaching more people over time. And if you look at those three areas, I mean, there are going to be times when I'd, I'd prefer to spend most of my time in that area creating and coming up with new ideas and the like, but there are going to be times when I need to do some of the operational pieces and help think about how we scale and grow over time and the like. And that's very contextually dependent on who else is on that team that I'm a part of. And so that's where I'd encourage people to ask those questions from the very outset and make sure that each person essentially knows what they're expected to do and how they plan to contribute to that group because then everything just moves moves smoother as you go on down the path. Yeah, and there's there's times in any given team when maybe they've they they created a product or service in the past and they've been operating um, with excellence and scaling and so forth, and now they're it's time to create something new or to blow it up and start over and you're back to into a creating mode so you, you i guess the idea of getting fixed into some specific contributions is is probably not realistic right and that's why i mean i think in our it's that's why you mentioned some of the strengths work and i think that really is about some elements of personality that are less likely to change and are more fixed to start with so those are great starting points and then your contributions can be kind of variable um, I, I might have thought at the start of my career, almost all of what I would contribute would be in the operational area because I was so technology and science and achievement oriented. And But I, I've really ended up spending a lot of time in the last few years working in the more create oriented areas about how I teach and come up with new things and initiate new projects and the like. And that's been really fun as well. And it's so I, I think our contributions can vary and we can experiment with and try new things. It's why. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but as a part of that Contribify profile that we have people build, we ask them about their most influential life experiences or their miles. And I've learned a lot just by quizzing people I work with about their most influential life experiences. And in many cases, there are things really early on or late on in life where they uncover something that's new just because they tried it. And I think we've got to find ways to, as leaders, we need to find ways to help immerse people look to us for leadership in new challenges, in new experiments, because there's so much growth and learning that comes from that. Now, do you think that there will be, um, that it would be helpful for leaders to, let's say, get this book for their whole team and and encourage everybody to to take a profile and then share those like in terms of like a team retreat? Or how, how do you see this being used on, on teams? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because that's the first place I would start personally with it is to say, and we've included two different codes for two people to build profiles so you can at least have a conversation with someone else when you buy the book. 
um, for that purpose, because I think most of the growth occurs when you uh, talk about this in the context of a relationship and in the context of a ideally a friendship you've got with somebody you're working with. And so I think it's probably a great starting point for a team or if everybody goes through and builds a profile and then just to use that to get to know the people you've already worked with better or to get to know people from the outset. I've started doing that with a few teams I'm a part of, and it's been a very helpful guide for, I mean, even people I've worked with for three, four years, you learn new things about them when they walk through those influential life experiences and when they talk about how they want to contribute. It sounds obvious that we should have that conversation when we embark on a new project, but boy, I never did in the past. Yeah, the story of each person's life, and of course, those are always changing, but they really just play a huge role in how what, what a difference you can make in the world when you're sort of living out of that story and bringing what you've learned there, uh, sharing that with other people. Yeah, and just, I mean, the other part of the profile we ask people to talk about is what are the big roles they play in life? And to hear people talk about why being a dad is an important role or why uh, being a project manager is such a role they take pride in or whatever it might be. Um, I think it's those roles that we play in life overall are actually more important and influential about how we want to be known than some of the big ticket things you put on a resume in many cases. Whenever you talk about helping people increase their contribution to the company or to the, the, the company's greater purpose, one of those challenges that I think leaders often have is helping people connect their daily efforts to how they contribute to specific people's lives. It's, it seems like in some types of work, that's easier said than done. Do you have any advice for a leader to help them connect what people do with who their work serves? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that because I, I'm not sure there's anything that's more important for a leader to be doing on a daily and weekly basis than helping people who look to them for leadership throughout the organization to connect their daily actions with the positive influence that has on other human beings. If workers cannot see that on at least a weekly basis, I don't think they'll have anywhere near the motivation they should to do good work. Um, so if you're if, if you're managing uh, in, a, in a factory or a plant, for example, it's your job as a leader, in my opinion, to bring in the voice of the customer so that workers can see how the result of their work has a positive influence on someone who gets a product that they give as a gift to someone they care about, for example. If you're in healthcare, one of the examples I've uh, been most inspired by, you have uh, a friend of mine's a radiologist and spend their time just looking at scans on computer screens all day, right? And it turns out that even in a case like that where you're helping people in many cases with cancer to uh, get ahead of a condition or to fight a condition that they have, they still produce far better work if someone appends a photo of the patient to that radiographic record hmm. so they can see the face of someone who they're serving each day. And, you know, you see this in, in manufacturing where uh, when General Electric brought in uh, – patients to meet the people who are manufacturing the MRI machines, they they do better work and feel better about what they're doing. It works in food service. You see it play out in call centers as well. We, I think managers and leaders have to say, a part of my job every week is to make sure that people who work here are making those connections and they can see the faces and they can hear the voices of the people we serve because 
really, that's why we go to work every day, and we need as many reminders of that as possible. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, we've been talking about the book, Life's Great Question, Discover How You Contribute to the World. Our guest has been Tom Rath. For uh, folks that buy that book, they get a, a free code to complete their online profile. And if they get the hardcover, they get two free codes so they can give one to a friend or loved one. Where, Tom, can people find out more about your work and get your hand, get their hands on your book? Yeah, they can find out more about my overall work and books on TomRath.org, or they can visit Contribify.com to learn more about this specific book. And I'd encourage them to try building that profile that we've talked about and have kind of a more emotional and positive baseball card of their contributions. Fantastic. Well, Tom Rath, it's been a pleasure to have you back on the show again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun, Jesse. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. And again, you can find all of the information that Tom mentioned, links to his website, to the Contribify online assessment, to his books, his LinkedIn and Twitter profiles. You can get all that on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sides and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results. In several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at WorkforceCommunication.com. Our thanks to Betsy Leahy, our production assistant, Jamie Barnes, Tom Hitchcock, and Jenny Kalenda from our social media team, JJ Leahy from our video and graphic design team, and Rick Tarrant, our announcer. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.